Excuse me, Veronica. <clears throat> yes, what is it, Brick? I would like to extend to you an invitation to the pants party. Excuse me? The party, the pants with the pants. Party with pants. Welcome to the Pants Party. I am your host, Harrison Starr, a.k.a. Boilerhawk, a.k.a. HD underscore Star on Twitter. And joining me from his parents' basement, unlike his other basement, Ben Ross. Ben, how are you doing? A couple of facts to check and a couple questions. One, I'm not in my parents' basement. They no longer have a basement. Um, Two... Has anyone ever approached you with uh, and called you by your alias, one of your many aliases? Oh, uh, I mean, Stoops will send emails with the boiler in it, but it's not like anyone in real life is like, oh, hey, boiler, how's it going? No, that doesn't happen. Am I the only one who calls you Harry? People call me Harry. Okay. So, uh... We've we've crossed the line into friendship, Ben. So you are oh. officially you. It, sometimes this this goes way back. This goes back to a basketball camp. Uh, I I liked my name Harrison, and there was one kid who called me Harry as not derogatory by any means, but like just to kind of get under my skin, and it bugged me. Um, but over the That's years, so I have. I have since softened on it. Uh, friends have called me Harry before. It is almost always by uh, Ben's, actually. Oh, Ben's always called me Harry. That's that Whoever may spoke. be the funniest thing. Uh, because Ben and Harry. That is, I mean, <laughs> we should call this podcast now. Ben and Harry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that, that is funny. Or Ben and Harry's, and then we'll find stupid jam band names of podcast episodes um it's funny about the basketball camp because there was a guy i grew up playing like peewee football with through my rest of my life and i his name was anthony and i called him tony because he he was just (laughs) really under my skin (laughs) and i mean i did it just because i i I didn't want to say anthony i called him there wasn't a tony there wasn't another anthony either i just i don't know uh, probably the same reason that Ben called you Harry. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's the, the origins of it. You, you, I am not bothered by it really anymore ever. Uh, there are some things that I've chosen to let go of. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of, uh, we were talking, uh, off camera after the, or off podcast, I guess, technically, um, after the Penn State game, I got angry making eggs the other day. Oh, yeah. And uh, today I wanted to share with you, I was trying to make a pan sauce for uh, a chicken dish. Okay. And the there's already burnt stuff in the pan. And I don't know why I decided to go ahead and <laughs> reduce it or whatever it's called. G- glaze it. And then it just uh-huh. poof. I'm like I'm done. I'm not going to get get mad at trying to make this pan sauce. I'm just gonna let this failure happen. And what happened? Did it burn or did it? Uh, what is oh it yeah, split. It split. Okay. Oh yeah, it it was gnarly. Uh, gonna have to get the uh, steel wool out to to clean that. But the reason I bring that up, Ben, is because you are actually a very good cook, and I'm wondering. Um, what are you going to have to do, if anything, for uh, your family Thanksgiving this week? <laughs> the problem is my mom. Love her to death. <laughs> She's a great cook. She is the number one biggest control freak on <laughs> planet Earth. So <laughs> This is so funny. Three weeks ago, she texted me and my sister and my brother. And like, my sister, she just... I mean, I, I'm fine with turkey. I think it's fine, whatever. But my sister hates it. She despises it, all, all forms of it. Cold cuts and especially 
the Thanksgiving bird. And I think that, you know, turkey sucks at this point. It's such an <clears throat> um, tired take that it's now turkey is good. Is now, like, fine. Um, obviously, like, I've had plenty of bad – my God, I think three years ago – my uncle made a thing, uh, the turkey, and it was might have been the worst thing I've ever consumed in my life. Um, but then, you know, my dad's always made a good turkey. My mom's always made a good turkey. But anyway, my sister was like, I don't even like turkey. It's only going to be the five or six of us for Thanksgiving. We're not entertaining for anybody else. Can we please do, like, Italian or Mexican? Or I think it'd be fun to make our own pizzas. And I was like, yeah. And sure. And my mom was like... I could tell from 400 miles away, her heart was breaking <laughs> and she just threw her hands up and was like, yeah, it's, that'll be fun. Fine. Whatever. And my dad, the next day was like, you're getting a fucking Thanksgiving <laughs> meal. Your mom's cooking it. And so, uh, I actually went over to my sister's yesterday and my mom was there <clears throat> and they're just going through the menu and it was typical Thanksgiving stuff. And, my sister was like, okay, I'll make the salad and I'll do the mashed potatoes. And my brother-in-law is a big green egg. And he's like, can we smoke a turkey? And I've never had a smoked turkey before, so I don't know what it's like. And my mom's like, yeah, sure, that'll be fun. Today, my mom is pulling out the <laughs> recipe to brine her own turkey. <laughs> Text my sister, I think I want to make the mashed potatoes. So my sister's making the salad. I want to make macaroni and cheese because I've gotten so good at making a roux, my mom won't allow it on the dinner on the table because it's not a Thanksgiving Oh, boy. Dish. Oh, this is a so cultural I'm, thing. So, so I'm not doing anything. <laughs> my mom was making a gigantic Thanksgiving meal for the smallest Thanksgiving I've ever had, I've ever participated in. Um, and it's the funniest, funniest part of the whole thing is like, what do you want for dessert? And it was, me and my sister both say pumpkin pie, and she goes, "It's French silk, okay." <laughs> <laughs> it's like we have absolutely no say whatsoever. In the thing, it's like, it's a farce. It's so funny. <laughs> so this the, is a holiday for my mom. The illusion of. Uh, uh choices it's <laughs> just classic well and the funniest part is like we're having thanksgiving at my sister so my mom's gonna be doing all the cooking here and then we're transporting the food. oh good lord it's the worst too <laughs> it is so like i don't know like thursday morning wednesday night i'm gonna try and figure out how i i mean i'm gonna condo with them there's no escaping there are three rooms <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, I mean, that's it. What is it just going to be the three of you? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, we had the discussion about trying to do a little bit of a journey and oh yeah, things got in the way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll put it lightly. Uh, and honestly, for, for the best, we, Christine and I don't really have any business going around, uh, East Texas, uh, with our little baby COVID blanket. I joke about that, but, um, mm-hmm. you know, and visiting a couple 90 year olds that just feels like, uh, inviting harm as you will. But, uh, it looks like it'll be kind of a fun one for us. We'll do a little bit of a ham steak. Um, I have always wanted to try Cornish game hen. Oh, that's gonna right. Cock. Yeah. I'm going to spatchcock that. And, um, I found like a Southwest seasoning that I saw you could put on a turkey. I'm going to try it on that. Um, and then just kind of the, the normal fare of mashed potatoes. Christina's magnificent with the mashed potatoes. It is just like, uh, not necessarily restaurant quality because they're just the home style cream mm-hmm. butter potato. Mm-hmm. Uh, not nothing fancy, um, but tremendous dish. Um, I'll do a sweet potato because that's always something I enjoy. And I don't know, cream corn. We need to figure out the dessert. Maybe we'll get a French silk pie. But uh. in my mom's defense, the French silk pie is superior to the pumpkin pie. I just wanted to be on my sister's side for that. <laughs> so my mom should do shoot shoot down both of her. Children, um, no, actually, last week, uh, um, 
<clears throat> I saw KJ Kenji Lopez all posted this um, this roll recipe, and I wanted to make these rolls. And I summoned my mom, and she said, yeah, sure. And I get here yesterday, and <laughs> she's like, no, we're going to do them with normal garlic bread I always make because the rolls I had reminded her too much of the stuffing she was going to make. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because I think yeah. there's rosemary in the rolls, and there's rosemary in the stuffing. They have one similar ingredient. <laughs> yeah, we're doing stovetop, so don't tell your mom, Ben. Um, is Okay, is stovetop stuffing, is that a euphemism or is that a brand? It is literally like a break. It's the box. It's like a box, top. right? Okay. Yeah. So I was listening and to David Chain. They just they have a new food podcast, and they were talking about stovetop stuffing. And I don't know if that was like the brand or like a preparation or what. Yeah. So I mean, I, there may be a pre- a different preparation for it, but I mean, it's basically the dehydrated potatoes of stuffing. And we did it a couple years ago. My mom, she, our moms probably are dueling banjos in terms mm-hmm. of the stuffing mm-hmm. my mom she'll like bake the cornbread two days before let it dry out i mean oh yeah i'm not going to that effort let's just get this sucker on the stove add some water to it and <laughs> call it a day for uh christine and myself it's like was like home i don't know lots lots of different names like homemade croutons or homemade breadcrumbs was that a thing in your part of the midwest so that's huge church type of uh, luck meal here uh i mean it it comes from my mom she's from she was born and kind of raised in north carolina and moved to Mm. uh northern virginia so it i think a lot of the cooking that i grew up with is like the healthy southern it is not like the traditional southern not the uh you know fried what i what i have heard like to have been introduced to uh, macaroni and cheese on Thanksgiving, uh, 100% mm-hmm. I would have. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's just the, the overlap between Midwest and my mother's Southern cooking, I'll call it, um, does not have, uh, does not have the uh, macaroni and cheese in it, but... Uh, I'm sorry you won't get your macaroni and cheese, Ben. That's sad. I think I'll live. Um, yeah. I'll find some other way. Before we get started after uh, our Thanksgiving discussion, do have our unboxing. Oh, uh, I opened it a little earlier. This is from Foco.com. Christmas came early for Ben and it Harry. did indeed. And this is great content unboxings are a visual medium so of course we're gonna do this <clears throat> on a podcast commentary. and it is the official online face coverings of <laughs> oh that's nice iowa football and they are sharp the gator is pretty big it's got a nice thickness to it so it'll keep you warm um in the winter and that one is the black and then the mask, which Christina has claimed, it is uh, white. And yeah, see, you're getting the sound effect. You hold it up to the camera, so I can. And then, oh yeah, here is this Come as on, I stop that. get this uh, open. Oh, all right, so. The nice thing about this is with the face mask, it's got the little oh the uh, ti- the tightener the tighteners. There's a much there's a real term for that. And also nice and soft. This one is the white. I think my favorite thing about these is easily the stripe down the side. I think that's a real sharp look. I don't have uh, any masks with the adjuster. That would be. I know. I'm I'm very jealous of. Uh, what Christina will be wearing. We'll probably share it. That's probably not allowed, but um, Foco.com. Don't anybody. Official uh, face coverings of Iowa Hawkeye football. Um, I think that was technically a free ad. So, um, we have, oh, I was going to ask, do we have a code for him? Uh, no, I wish we did. I wish tell you him, did. Tell him we sent you. Yeah, tell him we sent you. Ben and Harry. Ben and Harry. Killed us. Blackheart gold pants. Alrighty, Ben. So that was a fun 15 minutes because uh, I think this is uh, 
before we get to the Nebraska talk, I was saying this is probably my favorite week of the year. Um, let's revisit the Penn State game. Um, I, I think the the question I had to you um, before the podcast is, is that still as good of a win as it was on Saturday? <clears throat> yeah. I mean, has it, I don't think – I didn't read anything today about stuff that's come out about – injuries or any type of you know drama going on with Penn State to team like I said Kirk Ferentz has never beat James Franklin we haven't beat Penn State when's the last time we even beat Penn State it was 2010 uh yeah so we've beaten Penn State as many times as Wisconsin in 10 years we've played Wisconsin oh, every God. year We've played Wisconsin oh. every year, granted. So, but we've we've beaten Penn State just as many times as we've beaten Wisconsin in ten years up until this year. Um, so yes, it's a good win. God damn it, I don't care what the circumstances are. Um, you know, I, I don't. It's not like I was really playing for style points. I honestly don't know what the bowl season's going to look like. I don't even know if they have anything planned yet. Um, so. I mean, just take all the wins you can, and what? It's a hell of a what? Will, if we lost, what are we gonna? What will we be saying right now? Was it a good loss? Was it a bad <laughs> loss? Like, right? Yeah. You play. I mean, you eat what's in front of you, and that's what I'll be doing Thursday, and that's what Iowa did on Saturday. You know, I, I'm glad you talked me off the ledge, Ben, because um, I was overthinking this. At least in the sense of like, yeah, a style I was kind of uh, upset you asked me the question, even. Yeah, um, because like I, I looked at it and then I see on Sunday Iowa gets a single vote from uh, the coaches' poll after three resounding wins, and I'm like, are these wins even that good? And you Who's still look to me. I don't know. I didn't look. Um, uh, James Frank. <laughs> no, I have yeah, no clue. Honestly. I, I have no clue. Um, but I think that you framed it correctly. It's, it's the weirdest year ever. Um, no doubt about it. Uh, you, you take the wins where you can get them and eat what's in front of your face because, um, you know, Penn State's a decent team. I think that. Cause you don't know you're going to eat next either. Yeah, I mean that's that's other that's a great point because uh, as we're finding out with Minnesota, um, they they stopped practice today because of COVID concerns, and that could be anyone any week. Um, it could be your last game of the year. So um, three and two is a good spot to be. Uh, but to your point, like the Bulls, I, I almost wonder if it's just going to end up being um, finding as uh, enjoyable a matchups as they can be. Uh, not not to get way ahead of ourselves, but uh, that's kind of. I think we'll play Iowa State unless Iowa that, State like does really well. Maybe they will, and they end up playing some like prestige, like one of the prestigious bowls ends up doing something, but then everybody else is left to fend for themselves. But I can totally see a situation where Iowa and Iowa State play at the end of the year, and that'd be awesome objectively. Yeah, like I, I'm on the exact same page as you. Um, I think it's fair to look this far ahead because um, what else is there to talk about in a way? Um, because I think that would be just utterly fascinating. Uh, I don't want to necessarily project too much. Uh, I'm sure if that does come to pass, we will certainly have some takes. But I think from a... Uh, Again, to your point, if Iowa State is not in a New Year's Six Bowl, um, that's about as compelling a matchup, especially if Iowa finishes e- even five and four. Um, it's it's an interesting matchup uh, for sure. Um, so, th- you know, I think that'll that'll be pretty interesting to to see how the rest of the season plays out and if bowls play out. So. Um, yeah, uh, uh, lingering Penn State thoughts, Ben? No. Um, I was hoping I went over to Black Shoe Diaries this morning, and I was hoping 
to get more satisfaction out of the comments, and I wasn't. And I, I didn't get it. Um, wasn't I didn't get what I was looking for, which is fine. I think they've kind of pretty much weeded out most of the bad eggs that we saw a few years ago on the website. Um, mm. There were, yeah, there were a few uh, hanging around, but just about everybody is okay with Franklin, I guess. Nobody, you know, people want – nobody's happy with the quarterback situation at all. They all want, you know, a third guy who's not on campus to be the quarterback next year. <laughs> they want <laughs> they want a Russell, they want a Russell Wilson situation going on. Um I don't know. I think kind of everybody collectively, and we saw in some of the comments today on like my power rankings and some other things where it's like unless you're really Scott Frost or Harbaugh, um people are sort of understanding and uh your job is safe. Like Franklin He's built up the goodwill in wins and losses that Harbaugh simply has not. Um, so he's got that. Frost hasn't done a goddamn thing other than throw his team under the bus since he got here. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I, I, I personally, I hate James Franklin. Um, I think he's a horrible coach. And the fact that <laughs> Kirk Ferentz has never beaten him until this year is yeah. like really, really a stain on his record. And then, not, and then also there's some – off the field stuff that happened allegedly. Yeah. Um, so I mean, yeah, I think I, I don't want him to leave because Penn State will probably get a good, better coach uh, ah. if Franklin were to go. So fine, whatever. But you know, it's not our problem, really. Yeah, what there, there's a saying I'm forgetting, but yeah, I, I like I weirdly like Franklin. Like I think it's because he's just so weird, maybe. Um, the the every week how he tweets the name of his opponent as many times as a 280 characters is um yeah that's i didn't hilarious. learn that until this week yeah i mean week. that's that's wild um and, and i i think penn state fans are probably coming at it from the perspective i, I think it's different with Iowa because Iowa does have the culture stuff, but I think if it was a true wins and losses scenario, and this was something JP and I were going back and forth with on the uh, in the comments, is like I think that to your point, every coach except for two have built up um, the equity of dealing with the the weird losses the no expectations of um, 2019 from a COVID standpoint. And uh, they can withstand. I mean, the the comment you found, I just remembered it. It was, let's just get weird. Let, let's just be 0 and 9. And in, in a way, I think that's almost like, uh, you know, maybe a healthy way to think about it. And, and, and I think that that framing of it has kind of, reset my thoughts for the rest of the year. I've constantly reset my thoughts for the rest of the year. Uh, I don't know if you've noticed that or not. Well, yeah, there was a great comment where, you know, we were close. We were so close to being burned all down and jump off the ledge, drink all the Kool-Aid at the same time. Uh, I mean, we were really one loss away from that happening, honestly, over the site. Um, I shudder, and I it didn't really strike me until when I was reading those comments this morning. Where it's like this whole site would have been just a dumpster fire. This whole program, if I had started zero and three or even zero and four, uh, whereas Penn State, I think, is sort of taken in stride because they didn't have the summer that Iowa did, and then also James Franklin has just been a better coach than Kirk the past five years. He's built up more goodwill, I guess, in, in that smaller vacuum uh, to look at. Um, but, I mean, we would have had, you know, we would have had the typical people come out and saying they're not supporting this team until Kirk is gone and <clears throat> Brian's out roofing somewhere in Texas. And uh, <laughs> um, Whereas now it's like if Brian puts together four or five more games like this, for the year, my prediction was that he's going to be named the head coach because he's going to have himself a hell of a year. Um, I don't think he's there, but 
if he can run the table, if we end up playing Wisconsin, if that game happens, and then we have two great games after these next three, I don't know, man. Oh yeah, I mean it's it's uh, a classic. It's the best you can make out of a bad situation, right? I mean, I think that that's ultimately what Kirk Ferentz has done. The the way I think about it, right, is he's constantly made the best out of bad situations he's put himself in. Um, maybe that's in oversimplification, but I think you go back to 2014, you know, he could never pull a trigger until C.J. Beathard's dad needed to talk to whatever national paper it was and say, ah, oh, you know, he's not getting a fair shake, yada, yada, yada. Um, you know, he could have gone to C.J. Beathard 100% earlier, but he just didn't. Um, but everything is just holding on too long, and eventually um, the the credits get too big against Kirk Ferentz, and then he evens it out to be a, a positive thing. And I think the, the thing that I think about in terms of um, this season specifically is, yeah, I mean, we were very close um, as we've alluded to on the podcast, uh, just the general state of the world also played into our broader uh, sentiments on Iowa football. Um, We were not in a good spot. And I think that having three points or three games where Iowa scored 35 points or more, um, the stat I found was that's literally never happened in Hawkeye football from a conference game perspective in one season. And is that enough for Brian? I still don't know. Like I, I just don't know. I, I just, as for, as long as Gary Bart is in charge, it probably is good enough. Um, but I think if you had to uh, go out and sell Brian Ferentz's offensive resume to any other power five um school in the country, it would be a very hard no and very quick no. I have a tough time giving credit for someone breaking out of a prison of their own making. So I don't know about that. You know, I think your argument about Kirk being able to get out of his own mess, I don't think you should really get credit for that. Um, (laughs) That's just me. Well, yeah, I mean, I think that that's, that's, you know, I think of just my own bubble that kind of I operate within. Um, I am not afraid to, like, tease out those thought experiments or um, what if this, what if that. Uh, but, again, I'm, I'm going to one game every two or three years. I'm not really a person who – who is, you know, in the grand scheme of things, one that matters. So uh, the thoughts I have are are very small and kind of irrelevant. I think you look at these boosters, I almost wonder, probably what a boosters? topic we, we should, well, <laughs> I mean, the, the boosters that literally... They're regents pour, at Iowa. <laughs> pour, pour thousands and thousands, almost a million of their dollars into transporting Iowa's gear mm-hmm. um, and they're willing to just kind of throw it away for that. I, like, I just don't think that there's um, it's, it's a little kind I, I don't know necessarily know if it's access journalism, but it's like access boosterism um, being able to chat with Kirk, you know, every couple of weeks and um do this service for them. I'm think, speaking in the broader landscape. I just don't know if there's necessarily an adversarial aspect to Iowa's booster class, if you will, that would um, allow them to fire Kirk Ferentz and pay out his contract for $15 million amid a coronavirus mm-hmm. uh, dollar shortage. Um, that just doesn't seem like something that uh, could happen a la Will Muschamp at South Carolina. That's just kind of <laughs> kind of the way I, way I've kind of settled, and I'm so far removed from from that that it, 
all we do is just talk. And I think it's fun, but I think it's ultimately not nearly the direction that uh, we would see it going. Uh, that was sort of what one of the straws that broke the camel's back with Matt Brown or Texas, right? Where it was like boosters were coming to showing up to practice and like handing them plays. And if they if he didn't run the play, like he'd get his ass chewed out by a fucking booster, <laughs> like making up plays on the fly. I just that that just type of thing. He said like access journalism doesn't that would never happen in Iowa. The most the closest a booster gets is Kirk giving the keynote speech at the VFW and Solon, so you know. Um, which is great, I think is a great thing to do. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I mean, I guess uh, t- turning ahead to to Nebraska, we, we got the uh, the the Foco ad out. So we didn't. We're not gonna. We're just gonna roll past this mid break. As I mentioned, Ben, this is probably my favorite week of the year because I think the Shade and Freud is sky high uh, with Nebraska as an opponent, but also Nebraska this year. Um, oh yeah. That that's where I sit. I wanted to pull something up, but um, wanted to get get your thoughts on um, maybe the state of Nebraska football. So, um, I mean, it's the worst, right? It's the absolute worst. Uh, they beat Penn State, and that's it. Uh, there, Luke McCaffrey. So, wh- why did the Martinez? Why did he get playing time against Illinois? Was it garbage time? It's the classic. I mean, I I was paying marginal attention to it because I I had any attention. I had fiduciary interest in both the uh, Illinois game and the Indiana Ohio State game. Yeah, Um, and I made the joke. No one, no one liked it. But uh, (laughs) feeling good about my Illinois minus fifteen and a half and Ohio State minus twenty and a half bets. Oops. Oh, Illinois nice. plus 15.5. What a typo. Anyways. Um, uh, but yeah, I stopped pl- paying attention to the Illinois game because it was so cleanly in hand. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I turned it back to uh, that game and all of a sudden Adrian Martinez is in. I think it was probably a similar sentiment as what happened in the Iowa-Penn State game mm-hmm. where uh, the guy you went to was um, not good, not the difference maker you wanted him to be. Um, so you just kind of went back to, to the guy who had it. And my God, some of the comments from Scott Frost. Um, and, and I think this is just what happens when you run the type of offense that he does, where like you're exposing your quarterback to dozens of hits, the offense that they run. Um and he said something to the effect of, uh, there's, oh, I have it right here. There's no doubt in my mind, Luke McCaffrey is a future around here. But right now, to help us, we got to play the guy that gives us the best chance. And he cited um, earlier that uh, uh, Adrian Martinez has a chip on his shoulder. Um, so, yeah, I almost wonder if this is, his way of recognizing the difficulty that Iowa had. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily say preparing for two quarterbacks, but to have a quarterback change in the middle of the game certainly affected Iowa. In my estimation, I wonder if he is trying to basically play that game of poker and he knows who he's playing. McCaffrey knows who he's playing. Martinez knows who he's playing. But as long as Kirk Ferentz and Phil Parker don't know who Nebraska is going to play, I think that it's a hand they got. You, you play the hand you're dealt. And <laughs> I know, dude. At this point, you honestly have to take into account there are definitely Nebraska boosters who are trying to feed information <clears throat> to Iowa on how to beat Nebraska. Because they want, they, want, <laughs> they want Frost gone. I'm serious. Um I could totally see Martinez starting and then putting in McCaffrey and Iowa just kind of shitting their pants when they see an extremely mobile quarterback like him. Yeah, I, I think th- 
this is always kind of what it comes back to with the quarterback position is so much of it hinges on it. Like, and Kirk Ferentz knows that and he plans everything around how much hinges on the quarterback position to the point that the quarterback is irrelevant with an Iowa system. It's not the same way in a anywhere other, else, <laughs> anywhere else. Um, and I think that needing the win to your point, it's Frost's job is on the line in, in a way that does not exist anywhere else. Not like seeing some of these quotes, it's like, do these players even like their coach? And oh, does, does the coach even like their players? Like, I mean, like it's it is wild. Like the the quotes about oh, we really didn't practice that hard against Illinois. I've said a lot about Kirk Ferentz, but I would shit my pants, pardon my French, if anyone came out and said, we didn't run routes that hard because we were just playing Illinois. Like, I mean, like, I just... We'd lose a scholarship. Shaden Freud, man. Didn't we... Isn't there a rumor, I didn't see a confirmation of it, that a player who was, like, injured for Nebraska tweeted during the game? He was on the (laughs) sideline, and he sent a tweet. That, I mean, that kind of stuff is unacceptable. That's wild. That's wild. There was, I mean, it's just. The recruits are tweeting. We yeah, get Thomas, tweet, you know. Don't. Yeah. Yeah. I would feel bad for them if they didn't ask for it. Like, that's yeah. ultimately kind of, like, I mean. <laughs> you wanted the season. Exactly. I mean, oh, and then, like, the Illinois thing. Why, who's idea who who was behind taking that Illinois tweet down do you think was that Illinois trying to be the bigger people I mean it was up for like four hours it was probably Lovey Smith Lo- like it probably was Lovey was probably the only guy who had the power to do that oh my yeah oh yeah because what was it it was thanks for bringing it back I mean that, that was yeah, just thanks like for bringing back big oh. football which is like harmless and then the Omaha World Herald World Herald Herald reporter tried to narc or I don't even know if he's with the OWH, excuse me. Uh, I don't want to say the guy's name. But some reporter for Nebraska who's literally a PR mouthpiece, I'm like, I've ever seen in any other sports media complex before. <laughs> Basically, he's trying to, like, narc on the tweet. Um, just dumb stuff. Here's, uh, of all the things, like, on, on a serious note, because they, they had a very serious injury that I missed. And what blew my mind was this quote that Sam McEwen got from Jojo Doman. That was the guy's name I was trying not to say, by the way. Oh, ah. (laughs) I thought we all saw how precious this game is with Cullen Miller. That's what you're freaking concerned about? Like, I, I, like, I... Oh, he was, he was in a serious injury. What, did we see what happened? I never saw what happened. Um, right, I'm it not, was a not what happened. Final the, concussion. The, the aftermath is what I meant to say. Uh, out for the rest of the season, um, but he sounds like he has all the feeling in his extremities. Recovery expected, but to see, um, I thought we all saw how precious this game is with Colin Miller. It's just. I just don't get it, man. Like, some things are bigger than the game, right? Mm -hmm. And it's just this Nebraska team feels like they are constantly focused on the wrong things. Everything that's not on the field. What Mm -hmm. they wear, what they grow on their faces, it's all – it'd be like, you know, it'd be like if the Miami Hurricanes from the 90s sucked but they still had their personality. <laughs> like if they still had all that swagger, but they were two and eight in the shitty ACC. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think what what's fun about having two coaches on staff now and in, in Bart and Thad is they have some really good cliches is the wrong word, but just adages adages. There we go. Um, about, I think, it was Thad who says it's never about winning warmups, right? And Nebraska might be the team that's out there winning warmups. 
but the second you put on the pads and line up against an opponent, they are in trouble. And I think that that's the thing about um, the, the chasm that exists between Iowa and Nebraska now is Iowa is the more tough, smart, physical together. Those are the, the four pillars that they have now. And that is something you are 52 weeks a year, seven days a week, 24 hours a day. And to see Nebraska's like, we're amping it up this week. It's like, I was amped up every week. And like, I, I know I sound cocky. And if Iowa loses, I deserve to have this thrown in my face. Because Nebraska has been close the last couple of years. But I was won the last five games because it's not an every single, or it's not a once a week or once a year type of thing with them. They're doing it every single day. And that difference adds up to five win- straight wins over Nebraska. And, and like, I'm happy to have this thrown in my face. Actually, no, I'm not, but, uh, yeah, easy tiger, e- easy tiger. Yeah. Um, but man, like seeing this, I- I've rarely been more confident in a game. And I guess I should, because I was 12 point favorites, which feels like a lot, but then I see these quotes and it's just like, man, Schadenfreude is sky high, sky high. I mean, if you're a Nebraska player, like why, what do you have to like, why, you know, why, what are you playing for? What do you, what are you amped up about? Like your coach doesn't, you know, like you said, like your coach doesn't like you. <laughs> you're in Lincoln. Your fan fans don't probably like you, you know, um, Right now, like it's, it, it, I, I would have such a tough time hyping myself up to, to play, right now, um, in an empty stadium. Like I just don't. Like where is the game? It's at Iowa. Okay. I, I think what, what you're trying to do if you're Nebraska and where they may have some mental edge, I and this is not by design from Scott Frost, but. To your point, he's built this up to where he's challenged them. And it's an adversarial relationship. And I'm saying this from, you know, a 30,000 foot view. It feels like it's becoming an adversarial relationship in the sense of you proving your coach wrong that, yes, I have this in me. Now, is this because your coach always thought he had it in you or... Um, he's just trying to push buttons to make you be the best that you can be. I like said it before. I haven't played sports in half my life, but it, I think Iowa football will have the opportunity to break Nebraska football this weekend. And that is a task that I think Iowa football is up for this year. Uh, a couple of th- if Iowa shit stomps Nebraska, does Frost see the end of the year? Uh, I don't think you let him on a bus, but I mean, I, I think that the thing is that these guys are all tied together and that's always something that fascinates me in terms of just mm-hmm. how college sports works is the AD has his coach. And if if Moose has to get rid of Frost, it would be Nebraska football's version of Iowa basketball, where Iowa basketball had to get rid of Licklider within three years, or else you probably mm-hmm. see bardagon because it was such a like you don't want a fourth year of Todd Licklider. Um I think he sees the end of the year, but um that's just because you want to see these guys go out normally. I mean unless it's just brutal. I'm talking like the 56-14 game uh that I think got Riley fired 
um, on the back of the 40-10 game. I don't know if uh, something like what happened against Penn State would necessarily do it, um, but I think I was ready for it. Um, mentally, this is one of those games that is always circled, always, um, since that's football came out. So I am, I think that's why I am as overconfident as possible in addition to the Seltzers. Who would be Nebraska's interim coach? Um, would it end up being Chinader, the be defensive Chinader, coordinator? Who, do you know where he went? Oh, he went to Iowa. Yep. Do you know there's one more former Iowa player on Nebraska staff? I did not. I had absolutely no idea. In addition to Chinader. Yep. Oh, uh, I can't. I can't think of it. Who is it? Director of Football and Recruiting Administration. This guy had an incredible moment for the Hawkeyes, and then never really ever did anything again. In fact, lost his job the following year. Wait, is it Brandon Snyder? No. Oh, who? Trent Mossbrucker. Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, man. You hate to see uh, it. Yeah, you do. You do. It's funny, though. You, well, never, you never... I mean, obviously, I, I know why, but it's funny. You never see kickers go on to be coaches. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they're doing the specialized stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, good for Trent, I guess. Um, yeah. So we, we've talked about Nebraska enough, I think. We, we've taken mm-hmm. uh, plenty of swigs from the uh, Schadenfreude uh, stash or whatever you want to call it. Do you feel this good about Iowa or do you just feel this bad about Nebraska? I mean, it has to be a combination of both. We have all the momentum in the world right now. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, we're relatively healthy, right? Uh, I mean, it, everything that's going for us, Nebraska has going against it. Basically. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that um, Iowa football from – an offensive standpoint, if they can put together uh, the first halves that we have seen the last um, three games, I think that that won't be enough distance um, against Nebraska necessarily. I think you'll need to see uh, the defense ready for the kitchen sink because I think that that is the one thing that Nebraska has in their advantage is this is an all-hands-on-deck game for them. you know, I think you see a lot of weird stuff from uh Yeah, but we, maybe don't Martinez. Of, we don't know how many pairs of hands are going to show up, though. There's a problem I mean, with that. Like, I, I just can't believe that they're going to have 11 players on each side of the ball totally and completely bought in to the game for 60 minutes. And, I, just, I just can't believe that. I mean, that's the thing about them. Like, watching, watching the Illinois game, like, I don't know if they're bought in, but they are – Jawing, like I, I don't get that necessarily when you're down by 21 points and you put a big hit on an Illinois player. What makes you feel like it makes sense to to get in his face or tell him uh, how do you like that? <laughs> but like that's the one thing that I do think they have is some level of emotional vestment even if it's their own hubris and i think that if if you're frost you're probably and i I think of it from an offensive perspective that you're probably gonna see mccaffrey and martinez out on the field at the same time in multiple instances fine let them do it yeah and i think that you know, Iowa showed susceptibility to that double pass a couple years ago or last year against Iowa State, but then um, they were immediately ready for it the the next game uh, and even later that game. Uh, 
and just like I just don't know if Nebraska has anyone as good as Davion Nixon. And sometimes Nobody that's does. all it comes down to. Nobody does. Is, is he the best player that's on Iowa or Iowa's going to face this year? Yeah, I mean, rush of the year, yeah, for sure. Wisconsin, there's nobody uh, I can think of on Wisconsin. I'm super impressed by Mertz's human now. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, uh, you know, there's nobody on uh, Northwestern, you know, they had Patty. Well, David, sure. David Bell, they didn't face Rondell Moore, but those would be no, the no, only per, two. Yeah, Purdue I, for sure, David Bell and Rondell Moore. I'd put them both up there. Uh, Northwestern had Patty Fisher. Who was our third game? Minnesota? Uh, Michigan State. Rocky Lombardi for oh. Iowa <laughs> as a safety slash. I mean, yeah. Uh, He's, I don't know enough about the national. I'm sure there's a bunch of really great SEC tackles, but I mean, I, I mean, is David, Davion Nixon even look like getting an all, uh, all American type of looks like. Yeah. I, I think that, Dockerman, I'm going off memory. I think through two or three games, Nixon had some average, like game yeah, average. Yeah, they were average. Mm-hmm. But that was three games versus whatever. Um, you know, some of these guys had played six, seven, eight games by the time Iowa had played three. So it's tough to be like, oh, he, you know, he's got That's also seven cool. and yeah. three games. Uh, but. That's a highlight, man. Like you make that play, you put the the move on the quarterback like that in a ultimately meaningless setting. But it's it's just like I just man, I'm gonna I I go back and forth in terms of what was more impressive between that and the Adrian Claiborne play. I know. Um, I I think the Adrian Claiborne play was more impressive because of. The setting. Um, I mentioned that did the Nixon one was. I want BTN did a side by side video uh, on Twitter of the Claiborne and Nixon play. I did. Um, I think cool. the athleticism Nixon displayed was yes. more impressive. Absolutely. But the the cojones that Claiborne did was. Um, I, I think that elevates the the two thousand nine play mm-hmm. um but yeah like i mean that's that's gonna be shown for a while mm-hmm. so i mean yeah he's a type of player who could you know kind of single-handedly win this game uh, i don't think he'll have to but it'll be a nice weapon to have absolutely absolutely so um with the last X amount of minutes, I think we ought to turn this to basketball a little bit. I know it was a shtick to have the basketball minute back in the the um, three-man weave uh, portions of the podcast. But um, basketball, you said you had a singular thought. I don't know, am I putting you on the spot with it, Ben? Yeah, I mean, you are, simple because luckily nobody listens to this. Um, I believe this is the first time. <laughs> 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 uh, first time. It's always been a joke since I've been an yeah. Iowa fan. And big a Big Ten basketball fan, greater at large. I grew up, the only sporting event my dad ever took me with any regularity were go for basketball games, which as I get older, I don't, I don't understand why. Cause they were, they've never been good <laughs> ever. They were good in the mid nineties back when they were playing, paying players or yeah, back when I was doing three. tests for them. Yeah. And they, okay, yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, the barn is, is majestic, but that's all I can really say about it. Um, this will be the first time really, I think when I will truly be starting five white guys. Is that, was that what I had teed up for you? Yeah, no, I, th- I just okay. think it's funny. Um, I, I'm i not here to comment on the racial components other okay. than to say that, no, I mean, I was a 90% white state, and they're starting three guys from the state, Jordan Bohannon, Connor McCaffrey, and Joe Wieskamp. Mm-hmm. And then Luca Garza is 
the greatest player I was ever had. So like it's irrelevant, his background. And then CJ Frederick, you can look up the high school he went to. Um, It's in the news for some stuff, but, (laughs) but I mean, like, is it it again? They're all good players. And and I think, honestly, I think CJ Frederick is the most athletic player on, um, that I was returning save uh, Toussaint's speed. Yeah. I think Frederick has a very weird athleticism that does translate to the NBA. Um, people have made the Tyler Hero comp before. I Ooh. normally don't like, um, you know, white to white, black to black uh, comparisons. I-, I think we can be a little more creative, but. Um, I do see it with him. How tall is Tyler Hero? <laughs> Tyler Hero is taller. Tyler's, yeah, uh, that's what I Tyler Hero is, I think, 6'5 six, six, versus Frederick being 6'3. But you watch um, Friedrich's kind of explosion around the rim. He's quick there. And um, he gets in your grill from, from a defensive perspective. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I, racial components aside, I, I, I just think this is as highly skilled a starting five as um maybe has ever existed in college basketball at least recently um Chad Leistakow mentioned they're targeting potentially 80% from a free throw percentage standpoint which would be freaking insane um i think if you go back uh Bohannon's got a streak intact of consecutive free throw makes Tucson does um I think there's a third who's got a long streak that might challenge the, the Chris Street record. Uh, I still think that, that that record is probably never broken um, because of kind of the precedent that, that Jordan Bohannon sent. set. But basketball is back, man. Um, I'm, I'm excited. Like, it, I, I feel really freaking sad for Jack Nungy, though. I, I, I mean... It doesn't that, sound like uh, you'll be there on Wednesday or not. I I, I am not necessarily counting on him indefinitely. Yeah. Um, his father passed. If if no one heard the news uh, this past weekend, God help you if this news is being broken an hour into this podcast. Yeah, I know. But, I... Um, I think that you know, just coming at it from my angle, being thinking back to when I was a college student, I, I was talking to my dad a lot more and, you know, to, to talk to him on Friday night and then mm-hmm. uh, wake up on Saturday and know that he has passed away. It would be gutting um, to say the least. So um, a somber note, but, you know, best wishes for him because it's, it's a lot to work through emotionally. And, and I think if there's a, a coach out there who's um, who can help uh, someone through this. I think Fran McCaffrey's one. Um, there was a story, Gable Lashaney went through something very, very similar um, an ocean away. Um, so that, you know, it, it sucks. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I don't know. I, I hate to, to kind of leave it there, but um, I don't know. I, I'm thinking about Jack quite a bit because kid hasn't caught a break and and to call this a break is underselling um what that means because it's it's incredibly sad who you know besides Toussaint then who are the next and then let's say Nunji's not going to be available who who are the next you know two or three first guys off I was bench um I think what we see uh, them transition to is Pat McCaffrey, I think, is going to get the first crack at um, being that X factor with Tucson off the bench. Um, and then. Do you think Pat is like, the first forward off the bench? It sounds like uh, Keegan Murray is. God, these are Murray brothers. I can't. I'm, I'm, they look I, like my, twins, you know? <laughs> I, I can't wrap my head around which one's which, but one of them is 
a power forward who is a little bigger and has a better shot. And I think that that is Keegan. And I think he's probably this, the second forward same, off the bench. They're both listed the same height and weight and everything. I'm like, it's unfair. Unfair. Like, I, I was reading, JP had something, and it was a quote about uh, Fran and Fran's like, one of them's left-handed. It's like, which one's left-handed? Please <laughs> tell me, because I need to know. Um, <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> uh, Tony Perkins is actually the guy I am most high on as a true freshman. I he is. Um, There's just not a lot of room for guards, right? Yeah, I mean that's the thing, right? Uh, because you're you're starting four guards, exactly. Um, so you have the four and then Toussaint. Uh, but I think Perkins he bring he is an explosive athlete, and I think he is an, a very good shooter too. I've tweeted this before, and this goes to, to my earlier point of, um, you know, cross-racial comparisons. Shoots like Frederick, dunks like May. And I I am very excited to see him because I, I think he he was a finalist for Indiana. What's his Mr. story? Basketball. Where else was he getting looks? I mean, th- this is the thing about Fran that I think really gets undersold is, like, he is very good at finding these guys. I don't know. Because, you know, well, maybe getting ahead of myself. Garza, like, he was the very first person to give him an offer, right? And so that's why he came to Iowa, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Pretty much, yeah. And, and like, McCaffrey was there as a father for this uh, Elite 100 camp or whatever. And he saw what I, – I don't think you project what Garza has. Um, but yeah, I mean, he was very quick to, to offer Garza because Garza was not as athletic as he is now. Um, no, I mean, I remember Garza he, freshman year thinking he had cement in his shoes. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, Fran, Fran projects guys pretty well. So, um, he, he's missed, but like, ultimately it's basketball. You need to figure out five guys. And if you can't project five guys, then uh, you're, you're probably in trouble. But um, Who's his Perkins best? is someone I'm very excited about because I think, um, you know, he, he'll play true shooting guard behind uh, Frederick. And, th- I mean, that's the thing that's like, uh, you know, there are a lot of guys who can play a lot of positions, including like Bo Hannon. Bo Hannon is going to be – um, in my estimation, uh, shooting guard a lot of the time, um, just because you have Connor who can run point, and you have Ju- mm-hmm. Joe Toussaint who can run point, and um, you know it, it just it makes for a lot of interesting things because I'd rather um, have my shooting guard. Exactly because uh, when he's off the ball, I think that they've used this term called gravity in past interesting uh, analyses. But the thought is him as a shooter can attract more defenders than potentially him as a ball handler Um, and pick and roll. It's a little different because you're, you're involving that, that second defender. But um, I think he can be, he can be used more creatively off the ball. Um, but I also think that the fact that he's going to be on the court and he's going to be, by many accounts, as, he- as healthy as he has ever been, um, I think it's going to help as as much as anyone. I think Joe Wieskamp's due for a little bit of a bounce back. So, um, I don't know, man. It's There's only one way to go th- from a, a rankings perspective uh, down. But I think from an excitement perspective, I uh, am very excited to watch this Iowa basketball team. Uh, I am too. I mean, I'm hoping we – first game's at th- it's 3 p.m. on Wednesday, right? Oh, yeah. So luckily everybody works from home now. We can sneak away. But uh, I feel good. I'm, I am excited. I, you know – I just hope we can get an entire year. Yeah, I, I think that that's going to be 
probably a discussion for a later date once we start seeing even more cancellations. But I know former uh, Blackheart Gold Pants guy, Jordan Hansen, covering um, Big Sky Basketball, they've already had four games canceled within really? the next week. Well, I mean, yeah. we are, our game was in jeopardy of getting canceled. North, North Carolina, yeah. whoever were playing, they were quarantining last week. Yeah, so, I mean, this this is a total shit show. There has been no creativity applied to this. Um, the fact that we haven't just bubbled conference basketball between now and when students get back from uh, winter break is not unbelievable to me because then you have to admit that they're employees and not athletes or not mm-hmm. students, but it's wild to me that we're just like, let's do this as normally as possible. I'm pretty shocked. Yeah. Cause it's just, ugh. maybe it works. Like I, I think we had this discussion with big 10 football, the fact that there were clear guardrails, I think has done a better job of mitigating the number of teams impacted over the course of a season. Mm-hmm. But it's still, you know, it's a virus and you don't know where it is. And if it's on your team, it's probably not just affecting one person, even if you're testing daily. So, uh, you know, that's 2020 for you. Maybe uh, what we see is um, the tournament gets pushed back in time for everyone involved to have a vaccine and put them on a bubble still and just the dumbest solution ever to wait it out but that's what it that's what we're looking to do it's all we can do Alrighty, ben i'll leave you with any last words on anything you have to say um hmm. no i think we can just do a peaceful transition to the end Alrighty. Alrighty. Well, macaroni is a Thanksgiving food and go Hawks. Uh, at me with your best roux recipe.